0: Welcome back to Spanning the State. I am Kristen Brey with Derek Mosley, and we are joined by Brandon Chalker, founder of MKE Sports Alliance, and he's here to tell us all about esports and the economic opportunity that we're missing out on. But first, Brandon, what is the distinction between just being a casual gamer and esports?
1: Ooh, diving right into it. Diving
0: right into it. We don't have a lot of time. Well,
1: it's like great to see yeah. Great to see you guys. Not a lot of time. Uh what is the distinction between a casual gamer and a competitive gamer? Um, I think it is people who you could consider are taking on the activity the same way they would in a traditional sport. So it would be someone who practices, someone who has coaches, someone who is trying to be in the top five to ten percent of their craft, right? So it would be different than let's say someone who plays Fortnite. 18 hours a day because that's their chosen way to spend time. It'd be someone who's saying, I aspire to win tournament money. I aspire to be ranked. I aspire to be compared to others nationally or internationally in the space. And so that is how I would describe a competitive gamer versus just your average picking up a controller player.
0: And how does one train
1: Oof, a lot of ways. Okay. Actually, it's interesting, right? Because, like, you know, there's different capacities. Some people play solo games, right? First-person shooters. It's just you versus others in kind of a battle royale setting. And then there's a lot of environments that I think are probably more fun, particularly on an esports capacity, which are team-oriented, right? And so you've got three teammates. If it's Rocket League, you've got five teammates if it's Valorant. And so you can train with your teammates, right? You're having matches against others online and or in person at your LAN. Um, and you're just literally playing the game. And there's actual coaches. I, we actually write today. Uh, just got one of our coaches uh, doing some work up at Chippewa Valley Technical College um, okay. for Valorant. They did six hours of training uh, to help their squad get better, right? And there's a lot of minutia. But it'd be the same way if you're a basketball player and you're a point guard. You need someone to come in and teach you point guard skills, right? So in a competitive gaming environment, team sport, you'd be doing the same. Some people are set for certain roles. And so they need to hone in and, and kind of figure those things out.
2: So my question for you, if it's like sports that way, do you reach a certain age where you like age out? You're like Tom Brady's too old to play quarterback. Is it something like that for eSports?
1: Yeah, it's actually humbling, Derek, to be candid, because it is probably the most competitive, I would say, sport in that way that I know of in the world. And that most people retire by about 24. Wow, twenty-five.
0: What? It's like being a ballet dancer. It, it is, and you know,
1: it's honestly, it's a lot about the fast twitch muscles, eye, you know, eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm 37 and felt spry until I got involved in esports, and I've become just geriatric. To the industry, right? I mean, everyone's so young. So yeah, it it is something where today that happens. But also, candidly, it's one of those things where it's not just because of your physical attributes. A lot of times today, the prize pools and earning a living in esports, you know, if you're top 1%, you can make the things that you see on the news and the many, many millions. But on average, you're not earning an income that's probably commensurate with, I got... Perhaps advanced education, and I am a professional or working right. So it's a, at some point you have to kind of weigh that. Like, well, I'm 25. Maybe I made fifty thousand last year, but I don't have health benefits. Do I want to keep doing this realistically till I'm 35? So I think there's both the physical side of it and the realistic business side, which you so gotta make a choice. Is
0: there a similar awkward transition? I have friends who were D1 athletes in college, right, and they don't end up. Playing professionally, and there's a weird identity shift that happens from being I'm an athlete to I have to figure out what I want to do with my life. Is it the same with esports competitors?
1: Oh, uh, certainly so. Um, I would say though, realistically, it's it's you're more um, notable. In a more niche community today. Now that's changing, honestly, based on demographics, right? Because one of the things that I speak a lot to that is always kind of confounding to people is like, hey, you know, when your nieces, nephews, aunts, you know, uh, kids watch video games on YouTube, we as parents or we see that and we go, what the hell are you doing? Like, what's going on here? Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. But to them, it does. So the transition would be something I would compare to to maybe adult society. We don't know. Hey, if you were an esports athlete, oh, that's special. Or, you know, I was a D1 volleyball player. That is easier for us to conceptualize. If you're under, let's say, 25, it would be a much bigger deal. Like, wow, you were a professional competitor and now you've transitioned out. So I don't think it's as difficult comparatively to a traditional sport today because generally society doesn't quite know what it means yet. When they hear, "Oh, I've won a bunch of money," or "Oh, by the way, you you know did this? You traveled all over the world." Then they kind of perk up, but it's not quite there yet. Where you're like, "Oh, volleyball, I get it. I got what you did." So, so
2: let me ask you this, because now I'm so intrigued. Mm-hmm. So, um, are there camps like? So, I I, I played football and baseball in college, and so there were camps. I went to all these camps when I was growing up. Did they have the same thing for eSports?
1: Yeah, there's more and more forming every day, which is good news. Um, we actually had the fortune of running one at MPS about two years ago um, through a partner of ours and Wendell Willis, So I'm sure you know oh, yeah, well. Right? Sure. Wendell was a big catalyst for helping that happen. And, and really what camps are great for is not only the training side of it but the accessibility side of it because it's much like anything else. Where you can get advanced training, and you can get advanced time with experts, you become better at it. And a lack thereof keeps you from attaining those certain objectives. And of course, there's accessibility issues with sports as we know them today—in baseball, football, basketball—and so we're trying to reduce those in esports as well. But yes, that was going to be camps, my next question. And yep. we're trying, we're trying to proliferate those out a lot more. But you know, like they, as much as anything else, require logistics, price, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, hey, there's a basketball court and a basketball. Esports requires a fair amount today more. Um, logistics coordination because you need high-end computers oftentimes or you need make sure you have great uh, Ethernet and, you know, uh, Internet speeds and some of that kind of stuff. So it requires a little bit more finagling, but more camps are coming, which is really exciting. So um, I know for athletes now, they're
2: always talking about cross-training. So Mm -hmm. if you are a uh, football player, you know, you should probably look at track or maybe look at maybe basketball, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, different kind of sport, different muscles. Is it one game? So Valorant, your game. Is that what you just play, or are you like, oh, I'm Valorant
1: this time, but I'm going to play this? Yeah, it's a great question. I would answer that today that at the at the higher ends it is. I mean, similar to specialization in other competitive sports. You know, likely, unless you're Bo Jackson, right, you're not going to be D1 in three different things. At this time, particularly, it seems in traditional you've chosen your path. If you want to be very competitive in esports, you've likely chosen a game to do that with. But similar to others, if you're just a casual, competitive gamer, you can kind of spread out. I will say it probably goes more along the lines of the type of game. So NBA 2K is a basketball game. If you're an NBA 2K player, you probably are good at Madden or other things, but you may not be competitive competing in a tournament to try and win. And similarly, a really growing and popular space is what's called the FGC community, which is fighting game community. And this always resonates with me because it was actually born out of arcade culture. This yeah. was a place where people used to play one-on-one on arcades, transition to consoles, and now it's still kind of kept that thing up. So... You play Street Fighter or Tekken or some of those oh, games. You're bringing it back. Yeah, you know those.
0: You You might as well be speaking Greek right now. I have no oh, idea no. what these oh, games I, are. I, but we I, have to I, take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk because you're an ev- evangelist for the economic opportunity that Milwaukee and Wisconsin has in investing in esports. And so Brandon Chalker, our guest, from who is the founder of MKE Sports Alliance, will be here when we come back to answer that question. He is Derek Mosley. I am Kristen Bride. This is Spanning the State. Welcome back to Spanning the State. I am Kristen Bry. A big thanks to my guest co host, Derek Mosley. We still have Brandon Chalker here, founder of Milwaukee Esports Alliance. And I teased this, so we have to answer it. You evangelize, well, how we met actually was you evangelizing what Wisconsin is missing out on by not investing more in the opportunity of the growing industry of esports. So what is the economic opportunity?
1: Yeah, so something I'm really passionate about is this is kind of a timing thing, right? So I think sometimes people get the perception like, well, okay, you can go play basketball with a court and a basketball and you can create a camp. You can create a league. You can do these things. The NBA doesn't own basketball like you can do that. and what's different about eSports today, although there is a massive lawsuit that just got uh, brought, which will be very interesting to see if it shapes the industry, but previous to that, publishers own the games that are being played, and so they have IP, right? And they're able to say, this is how we'd like our game to be played and what can be done with it, and that's okay. Certainly respect to that, but it sort of limits and creates these sort of silos of who, quote-unquote, owns the opportunity for games. And so it's one of those things where Wisconsin is at this really crucial time, I would say, That, you know, if I don't think people would like it if the WIAA was owned by someone in Los Angeles. They'd say, Mm -hmm. well, that that feels weird to me. This is our Wisconsin high school ecosystem. Like, I I don't really understand how you can have that be owned by someone out of state. Well, in esports, you can. Because if you have the platform to play the video games and you get an agreement that says, hey, uh, you can only play these games through this platform and that platform's not in Wisconsin. Well, now our high school players who would like to play have to play through somewhere else. So that's just one example. But this idea of now is the time. Now is the time to capture and create and be entrepreneurial and, and provide ourselves the opportunity to capitalize in state. Because there's so much VC funding and there's so much on the coast going on in this space that it's just, to me, it's a real passion part of, I don't want Wisconsin to lose out on this opportunity and this growth of the industry because it will probably be owned. And I think you've seen this in different capacities over time, just really in the world, whether it's broadband or some of these kind of unique technologies that someone gets kind of the lion's share of it and then everyone has to use it, but they can't kind of take advantage of it themselves locally. So. That's, I'll just put that at a pin in that, that that is the reason for the why. It's a really crucial time to be able to own our own entities. Now, the economic opportunity, right? So from a player-based perspective, you have massive growth in middle and high school. I don't think that's any surprise, right? Gaming is a part of their currency of communication. They do homework through their consoles. They communicate with people through these channels. So you're seeing, you know, let's say we have right now, which we are so fortunate to have, the Wisconsin High School Esports Association goes from, I think, around seven years ago, six or seven teams to what will be upwards of around 200 this year. In the Wisconsin collegiate ecosystem, we have, I think, right now, 32 Wisconsin colleges with an esports program. And we're talking people that are employed to be coaches there. We're talking students on scholarship. We're talking facilities being built. So there's economics around that, right? Purchasing and the people that are moving here from out of state. You've got pro sides. You've got a lot of different things. So there's just a lot of opportunity economically for us to get in the game. And I will say in other states or other places where this might be being done, what I would call best in class, public-private partnership. North Carolina, I think, just did a $16 million grant, the state of North Carolina, to open up new facilities, to empower their local community, to have opportunities to become known as a beacon in the country for this kind of thing. So there's lots of places where growth is happening, and the economics, I think, follow that. But with being prudent, right, (laughs) maybe that's the Midwestern in me. You know, we don't just want to get all the VC funding, spend flippantly, and then, like, blow the opportunity. But um, there is a lot there.
0: He is Brennan Chalker, founder at Milwaukee Esports Alliance. When is the Wisconsin Esports summit
1: yeah march 11th is the state's preeminent uh, gathering for the esports and a non-esports community to come together to learn uh, and to experience what it's all about so we're pretty excited about that we had over 350 people last year uwm panther arena uh, we've got tony hawk on a jumbotron which looks like people of my age we've also got rocket league which can excite everybody else so it's a really great time
0: awesome well thank you so much for being here brandon thank you derek mosley
1: thank you two
0: hours flew by Wait. happy Wait. friday yeah. I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. We will be back on Monday. Steve Scafidi will be here next. John McCure and Julia Fellow are live at the Auto Show for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Time is 2.58.